Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to Bet the Edge on Friday, January 28th. Thank you to those of you watching on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. I am, of course, Drew Dinsick. I am guest hosting today. Our fearless leader, Sarah Perlman, has the day off. I am joined by the great Vaughn Dalzell. Happy Football Friday, second to last Football Friday of the season. Coming up today, we are going to talk to NBC Sports Bay Area's Josh Schrock. He is back with us after a very, very, very prescient comments on the Niners-Packers game. He will help us dig into Niners-Rams, including who he thinks Kyle Shanahan may rely on to carry the load offensively. Very interested in answering that question for lots of prop reasons. And Kenny Ducey will be here to help us handicap the Australian Open Finals this weekend. We have two really, really cool matches on tap, so very excited to talk to Kenny, plus edge of the day. All of that and more coming up on Bet the Edge, powered by Points Bet. Vaughn, how are we doing on this Football Friday? Hope everything's treating you well, my man. Oh, it is. Today's a great day to be alive. It's a bounce-back day for me. I've had some heartbreakers the past two days. But, Drew, it's only strengthened my case to be on camera more often because when I'm on camera, I win, my friend. So let's get it. I'm getting my hair done today. You know what that does to a man's confidence. So Yes, camera karma. That's uh, that's a real thing. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Championship Sunday. We've uh, been breaking this down multiple ways throughout the week, yet we really haven't gotten our hands dirty when it comes to kind of crafting how we think the game state plays into advantages in the prop market. If you don't already know, great way to kind of help uh, kind of augment the experience in these games, since there are only two, is to pick across the props, especially because, let's be honest, we know a lot about these teams. These markets are tight. These lines are probably fair. (laughs) All that said, there are some ways to attack the prop market. Let's go back and forth and do a little drafting here. Let's, let's, uh, Let's go with our three favorite props uh, across the slate here, and uh, I will give you first choice here. Any prop on the board, what is your favorite look for the weekend? First off, that's a mistake. Let me get the first pick. But <laughs> I'm going to take the best player on the board, someone I've already given out on Wednesday's episode of Bet the Edge, and the line has moved. We took Patty Mahomes over 285 and a half. Yeah, now, that's a good one. you know the over is going to move automatically with him. Uh, he's done 270-plus in 9 out of 10 games and 286 or more in seven out of 10 playoff games. He looks determined to get back to a Super Bowl. Um, I love the opportunity he has here. And there's a couple other guys on my radar, but hopefully you let me draft them. But I felt like Mahomes <laughs> is the obvious number one pick. And this was my biggest play of the weekend to, to you to play. 
Yeah, you know what? That was the obvious best play on the board. I, and credit to you, I, I give you first pick. I, you didn't, you didn't miss. Um, I'm gonna go with my first choice as um, I'm gonna go Kittle over four and a half receptions. I'm okay. piggybacking Sarah's edge of the day from a couple of days ago here, and the case is pretty straightforward. Jimmy Garoppolo is getting it done over the middle of the field. I don't know what else to tell you. He is obviously the most comfortable throwing it in the five to ten yard range. Kittle is his safety blanket, uh, and realistically, I don't know what else they're going to do in the passing game besides look for the mismatch Kittle presents against the safeties who are hurting ailing uh, safety core out there for the LA Rams so I see Kittle getting about eight targets in this game his receptions total right now over under four and a half that is about two receptions too low in my opinion so Kittle over four and a half is my go I mean I like this I already put this in as a one unit bet myself so I obviously approve uh, I was looking at him as my third pick so you beat me to him he's got the success and he is obviously the guy much more confident with his receptions than his yards. Definitely say that. Uh, third pick for me, man. I'm going to keep it rolling with the quarterbacks because I love the quarterback props and the pass attempts prop in particular is where the money has been made this season, but they just don't like to put them out. But Joe Burrow, over 38 and a half pass attempts. Now you might look at this number and say, well, he hasn't hit that quite this often this season. He's at 34 and 37 in those first two playoff games. But if he doesn't throw the ball 40 times, I don't think the Bengals survived this game. We already saw them trailing the first time, and we know that they're going to have to go for it on third and fourth downs consistently. Mixon and Piran, great duo, significant duo, but are you going to give the ball to them on those third down and crucials, those fourth down plays? No, you're going to give the ball to Joe Burrow, your best player, and let him throw to T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and these type of guys. So Joe Burrow, over 38 and a half pass attempts. Two-unit, my second favorite play. You know, I don't, uh, I don't dispute that at all, and I think that uh, he probably should have hit that number in the last game if the Titans yeah. didn't shorten the game on them there. But um, I'm going to go with a, a little contrarian for my uh, second pick here. I'm going to take Jamar Chase under receiving yards. Current number Ooh. right now is 85 and a half. Um, and I think the lessons learned from that first matchup on the part of the Chiefs are really going to play into how they defend not just Chase, but really the entire passing uh, attack here for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think realistically, uh, with a fully healthy uh, trio of um, of cornerbacks on the field for Kansas City in this one, they're going to be able to at least force Burrow to his second and third looks here. Uh, I think there is also a decent chance that Burrow's, you know, is not letting plays develop down the field because of how aggressive. Uh, the pass rush was last week. They may tweak that yeah. uh, offensive scheme a little bit here. So he's doing shorter targets and ho hoping that Chase yeah. can get it done with yards after the catch. But, uh, you know, as long as Sorensen's not on the field in cover two, I think uh, Jamar Chase stays under his 85 and a half receiving yards. So I'll go there for my second pick. Very sharp, very dangerous play. But uh, at the same time, he's not going to repeat that performance. And we've already seen line movement come down on him. I was actually oh. thinking about this play, but I, I considered <laughs> waiting wow. until Sunday because everyone loves a bet is over. So I thought this would close, you know, 95 and a half, a little bit higher, but it's already come down to 80 and a half. So you've got the best number wow. already. Uh, yeah, certainly surprising. But like I said, sharp play, a little dangerous, but sharp. My final pick, the fifth pick, I'm going to take the best tight end in the NFL. If I'm on Mahomes' over, you know I'm taking Travis Kelsey's over. Yeah. 75 and a half yards. I think he's honestly, if you're looking for a 100-yard type guy, Travis Kelsey is a pretty good option for that this weekend. He's actually at 75 plus in five straight playoff games. He hit this number easy last time. And guess what, Drew? The Bengals give up the most receptions to tight ends in the NFL. Uh, not what you want to hear when Travis Kelsey's lined up on the other side, and he just told Mahomes, give me the ball in the clutch because I'm going to lead us back to the Super Bowl. So they're one game away. I love the combo Mahomes and Kelsey in this game. Mm, okay. I, I was hoping that that one would slide to me. 
unfortunately. <laughs> no. I, I'm going to have to go with first, another man. absolute stinky contrarian play here. And again, this is one that I do think you should probably wait till closer to game time to lock in. And that is okay. Cooper Cup under receiving yards. So Ooh. it's 105 and a half. These teams are obviously very familiar with each other. And what we saw in the first uh, playoff game for the Rams, even that you know, offensive explosion, 34 points, you know, they went comfortably against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Cooper Cup really not a huge factor in that one because the Cardinals knew that that was the go-to look for Matt Stafford, and they had him doubled most of the game. I would expect the Niners do the same thing. The Niners in general play more guys in coverage because they can get such an exceptional pass rush with their front four alone. Uh, and so I think Cooper Cup probably draws most of the defense's attention here. And if Stafford ultimately is successful on Sunday, it's going to be to his second, third, fourth options. The Higbees of the world, uh, the Van Jeffersons of the world, those are the guys that they're going to have to get it done with. So uh, Cooper Cup also on the fall. Holy smokes. These lines are moving way, way, way more quickly than I was yeah. expecting. This is I mean, down to 100 and a half from 105 when we were doing our prep like 10 minutes ago. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest, geez. though. This is still probably going to could go back up like. There's going to be yeah. public people that want to bet Cooper Cup's over, not going to want to fade Cooper Cup in general. Uh, so I don't hate this. I'm actually on Odell Beckham over 15 and a half yards. That would have been my next pick if we did this a little longer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. so uh, yeah, I mean, I like this play a lot. Again, like two sharp plays that are dangerous plays because you're looking at two big play receivers. But at the end of the day, it comes down to these are the two guys that are going to be most looked at. So, you know, the defenses are locking on them. Some other players got to step up. So look for yeah. the, the Van Jeffersons, the Higbees, the Odells. Yeah. Uh, if if like you're that. not already familiar, conference championship weekend, because it's the third consecutive weekend and because there's so much tape on what these teams want to do with plan A, it almost always comes down to someone that you don't even expect to be part of the game is making yeah. game breaking plays like that's just the way this tends to go. So let's uh, let's keep moving on. That was a very, very, very solid rundown. I think those okay. are all very consistent uh, looks in the market, obviously agreeing with a couple of them as we are speaking. So very cool. The NFL playoffs are here. NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. You can get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use code PLAYOFF15. Get every tool for every game at one low price. It's easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have an NBC Sports Edge Plus subscription. Bring in uh, Josh Schrock to talk a little 49ers Rams. Josh, welcome back. Thank you so much for all of your insight last week. Really kind of uh, hit the nail on the head that special teams was going to be such a huge factor in that game. And yeah, guess what? A net plus 10 swing on special teams gets you a three-point win against the Packers in Lambeau. Pretty unbelievable. First thing I kind of want to pick your brain on here is uh, we haven't seen a lot of Elijah Mitchell in practice this week. He's obviously been a huge, huge story for the Niners and their offense, him emerging specifically in the rushing attack for them. Um, what is your expectation in terms of his availability for Sunday? And do you think that there's a potential that they kind of share the load given that he's dealing with this injury? Yeah, no, he's gonna be he's gonna be a full go. The last four or five weeks, they've basically just given him Tuesday and Wednesday off. He's been nursing a knee, um, so just trying to keep him keep him fresh. Obviously, first NFL season, and uh, I, I don't expect anyone other than Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel to really to really get any carries in the backfield. Um, Jeff Wilson's probably not going to play. It sounds like with the ankle, Jamichael Hasty. I don't see them feeding him. I think it's going to be Elijah Mitchell, twenty to twenty five carries is what they like him, and then Debo with the eight to ten range. Um, is, is normally how Kyle Shanahan would like the game script to play out. 
Hmm. That's interesting. That definitely makes you, if you have any rushing attempt props outside of those two, then it's great to bet the under, it sounds like. And I kind of wanted to ask you primarily about Debo Samuel and a little about George Kittle because a lot of people, we talked, we just talked about George Kittle taking his over four and a half receptions. Debo's been a hot guy on the rushing yards. How do you expect those two to get the ball? How much usage and what guy might play a bigger role on Sunday, whether it's Debo rushing or receiving or just Kittle in, in general? Yeah. So since week nine, which is when the 49ers just decided to, say hey Jimmy Garoppolo it's been it's been great but we're just going to hand the ball to Debo Samuel um, because that's a lot easier Uh, Debo's only had his targets outpace his carries in one game Um, so I expect uh, I expect Debo to be a big factor uh, more running the ball uh, than in the past game but as far as Kittle goes it's going to depend how the Rams play it sometimes they've liked to have Jalen Ramsey kind of shade in play in the slot and try to take Kittle away um, and if that happens, I would look for a guy like Brandon Ayuk to be a big factor. The last time these two teams played, Ayuk six catches, 107 yards. He was really the guy uh, that Jimmy Garoppolo went to because Kittle, he had five catches, only 10 yards. He was kind of bottled up. And they're so focused on Debo as the wide back and not really taking shots with him out wide. Mm. Um, so I could see if the Rams, if they get really, really key in on Debo, right? If they say, hey, he's not going to beat us running the ball that's where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to use the play action, hit Kittle over the middle. So I think Kittle's going to be a bigger, a bigger threat in the passing game than Debo. Okay. Wow. That's a, something I haven't heard anywhere else. So I think that's a, something definitely to add into your handicap there. Um, We've seen some pretty significant uh, and influential money hit this under early in the week here. It's come, I saw it peak at about 47 and a half for a hot second on, uh, on Monday. And then uh, it's been one way action to the under sense uh, we're looking at a 45 and a half right now across the board effectively and i think people would expect this is because of the familiarity between the two teams and that that all checks out um do you have a sense of uh you know what the uh you know what to expect in terms of a total scoring here and uh in, in particular if the niners can sustain the level of defense we've seen from them the last two weeks yeah i mean i think both teams have talked about you know, this is the third time they've seen each other. They're very familiar. There are no surprises. They know what they want to do. It's going to come down to execution. Since the first week of October, the 49ers defense allowing only 17 points per game. They've only given up 24 once. That was to the Rams in week 18. We know what the 49ers want to do. They want to run. They want to run. They want to run. They want to make it a body bag game, bleed the clock, and then make Matthew Stafford make mistakes. I think the Rams are going to be pretty conservative early on because this is a team as much as they want to say the 49ers aren't in their head, if they make an early mistake and it's 7 nothing or 10 nothing, that's Turtleville for those guys. So I can see them really, really trying to just feed Cam Akers and then keep it, keep it kind of settle in and then take shots late. But the 49ers don't give up explosive plays. So I think it's going to be really, really low scoring and really tight. I love that look. It sounds like a first quarter under, first half under type of game to me. And then you live at the second half, which Drew, that's your type of thing to do. All the time. <laughs> so I'm going to be tuning into your halftime show for sure uh, to get that one. But Josh, you gave us some good ones already. I'm looking at Ayuk over three and a half receptions now. That's a goodie. Debo Samuels rushing attempts, you know, Kittle. Give us the winner because everyone wants to know who's going to win the game. Drew wants to hear the one side. I don't care <laughs> who wins. I want to see a great game. So tell us who you believe gets the dub. Yeah, man, I, it's so tough, right? Six in a row. There's just something about it. The 49ers, they just have a matchup advantage in so many different spots. The Rams want to run the ball. Stafford is really good against the blitz. The 49ers have a great run defense, and they don't blitz. They get pressure with four. The Rams have a really good pass rush. How do you beat a good pass rush? Power run game, quick passing. Jimmy Garoppolo gets the ball in 2.29 seconds against the Rams. That's really quick. 
I think if the Rams make any sort of mistake early, like I said, they could kind of crumble. I think it's going to be close, though, but I like the 49ers 20 to 17. Wow, great uh, great stuff. Thank you for all that insight. And for Thank sure, you. if there's an early mistake, the uh, the the Josh Schrock Turtleville live angle is in play. Uh, you can follow Josh on Twitter at Schrock underscore and underscore awe. Make sure to read all of his content on NBC Bay Area. Josh, thank you. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Awesome. Bet the Edge is expanding. Sarah Perlman and I are hosting Bet the Edge Game Time on Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern to get you armed with all of the last-minute insight, information, and trends you'll need to make your wagers before the games begin. Make sure to check us out on NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. And occasionally, I'll make an appearance on there, but you know who's making an appearance on there next time? It's Kenny Ducey. I didn't know that. That's cool. Good little, uh, good little segue there. Let's bring in our guy Kenny Ducey to top some Australian Open finals. Hey, Kenny, great news! It's almost over. <laughs> you sleep, your sleep schedule can return to a normal human sleep schedule. Uh, every year, if inside kind of inside joke among the tennis handicapping community for those of us in North America, it's very, very, very tough to follow all the action in you know in what is the first slam of the season down under. And uh, we have two pretty awesome finals to break down with you today, Kenny. So um, do your best to, to, to kind of uh, shake off the uh, the cobwebs that go along with not sleeping for two weeks. It's a tough fortnight, but we're here at the business end of this tournament. And let's start with the women's side. Uh, it is. The, yes, the, uh, the pre-tournament favorite, Ash Barty, comes into this tournament with red-hot form. Now, we have seen her stumble at times because of the pressure of performing in front of the hometown crowd. However, there has been none of that this tournament. She has been clinical. Uh, I don't think that I have seen anyone really present a challenge to her, even though she has had a relatively tough road to get here. But she takes on the absolutely white-hot Danielle Collins. Collins is a U.S. player. If you don't know her, she was incredible in college. She was, I think, either a finalist or a national championship for UVA women's tennis. And she has really stepped up her game as a professional here, even though she is you know, clearly not a spring chicken among the uh, you know, the professional women. It's, it's usually all, you know, the younger players who really shine in these uh in these types of situations but here she is danielle collins in her first ever slam final 
does she have the goods to, to go toe to toe with Ash? Yeah, it was like Amanda Nisimova had the spotlight for about, you know, 12 hours and then Collins just stole it away from her. Uh, I have to say, by the way, it you know, sometimes people say like, oh, it's really flown by. Like, it seems like about two months ago that I watched Quarantine Moutet play a five-setter with Sebastian Corda. And I would also say, shame on you, Drew. I know it's like, it, why would anyone ever say shame on you to you? Because you're just skipping over the, the probably the best final, which is the doubles the final. Doubles? Nick Kyrgios oh, okay. going to win a grand slam. Uh, so actually, my favorite play this weekend uh, is to just parlay the three favorites. I, lo- I really like Kyrgios uh, to win. I like Barty to win this match. And we'll get to the other one in a second. The reason I really like Ash Barty here, and I would probably give a slight nod to the under 20 and a half you're seeing right here. You look at the, the four and a half point or the four and a half game spread is a little too, bit too juice for my liking. I just think the play style matchup is going to be really difficult for Danielle Collins. You know, she thrives off that two-handed backhand. She rips it cross court. Uh, first of all, you know, I think that Igas Viatek came into their match a little bit worse for the wear. I think she was a little tired. She also was, I mean, the, the match that she won over Kaya Kanepi was incredibly shaky. She really did not look convincing whatsoever. So I thought it was actually kind of an easy call to take Collins in that match. But also, you know, I think a lot of times her opponents have just had a, a hard time reading or just predicting what's going to happen. I think she's actually pretty predictable. She loves to take the backhand cross court. Ash Barty's smarter than that. I also think that the, the slice backhand of Barty is going to create a little bit of an issue for Collins trying to uh, get a lot of pop on that backhand. As you know, Drew, very well with the slice backhands, takes the pace off. Obviously, Danielle Collins can create a ton of pace, but the the trajectory here might be a little bit of an issue. And uh, ultimately, you know, this this there's a reason why Ash Barty is this heavy of a favorite. She's deserving of it. You look at the matchup with Madison Keys. People thought that might give her issues because Keys can really smack the ball and not at all. You know, she handles the pace incredibly well. She's a clinical tennis player, you mentioned. And, you know, Daniel Collins does have one head-to-head win in their four meetings. It was in Australia. It was last year. But that was, you know, sort of around the time where Ash Barty was coming off uh, that really long layoff. She hardly played in 2020. She comes back in 2021. I believe it was like her fifth match of the season. So really not in full form like she is right now. I think that Ash Barty is head and shoulders ahead of uh, ahead of Collins here and a clear favorite. So I would definitely lay uh, lay it down with the under 20 and a half games. I think it's a pretty short two-set match, unfortunately, for Collins. But hats off. What a great run for her. She's beat some incredible opponents. She's looked good. And you got to love the competitive spirit that she brings to the court. Gosh, great breakdown. A lot to unpack there. So we like the under. You said I got the favorites from what you said. You said you're taking the favorites all across the board here. So that means you're fading the doll, correct? Uh, who's plus 165 to win. You don't like them. So tell me why you're taking all the favorites and how how safe is taking favorites in tennis parlay compared to like the NFL or NBA? Because obviously that's not always a safe bet. Well, this is the face of a man who has been agonized by Daniil Medvedev for the last four days now. I uh, really thought that he would get pushed by Stefano Tsitsipas. I thought that he would lose to Felix Ocheali. I, I, I did end up cashing the spread on that one, but lost the, lost the money line sprinkle. No, look, it's this guy's just too good. I mean, I think that there's been issues this tournament. He had the back issue against Maxime Cressy. He kind of arrogantly was like, oh, I'm really bored with this match when Cressy was serving volleying every point because that's what he does. But ultimately, you know, look, I think fitness is a big thing in five-set tennis. I think that it's hard to gauge the fitness levels. I thought that Nadal would would not come out as fresh as he did against uh, against Matteo Berrettini. The fact of the matter here, though, is I don't think there's any concerns on either side. I think that both men are going to be rearing and ready to go. Medvedev looked fantastic against Tsitsipas. And just the thing about Rafael Nadal in a few of these matches, he's just been a little off. Like, I don't know if, if he really should have beaten Denis Shapovalov. Even 
before the heat stroke or whatever happened to him occurred, he was, you know, he's just, he's a little less than precise sometimes. And I, I just don't really see his, like, you know, his, his defensive skills really getting to Daniil Medvedev, a guy that is able to defend so well. I also, you know, uh, the fatigue, I saw someone tweet this out today, which was a very, very good point. The fatigue concerns for Medvedev are really not that bad because he obviously, he hits every ball back, right? He's a great defender. He runs all around the court when, when you're, uh, serving to, to break serve when he serves though he's not really exuding any energy on his service game so it's almost like he cut the, the you know time on court or the the stress level in half like I don't think he's he wasn't really stressing out at all on his serve against Sitsipas. I just it, it's very difficult to beat this guy right now because you know his returning is fantastic he's also just really untouchable on serve right now and uh, you know Rafael Nadal is a, a good returner, but that's certainly not the best part of his game. The best part of his game is his defensive skills. And if you're just going to try to outlast Daniel Medvedev in a rally, you're going to lose. So I, I actually really like the spread here. I think the reason it was it was static all morning was because I'm sure that they're they're taking a lot of money on the doll right now, but they're not moving this because uh, Medvedev is is the clear favorite. So they want to keep keep people people betting on the doll. And I think that Medvedev runs away with this one. I hope you're right. I have a lot of Medvedev future liability that I would like to see come home. I had a lot of Medvedev to reach the final cash last night, so I'm feeling a little bit less uh, concerned about my, my I, Medvedev. I lost future. out on my on my hedge chance. I had Berrettini future. That was my oh, that was my big one. Man, yeah, I thought very I thought, disappointing. I thought he was going to do better than he did last night too. He was he did not look especially. Um, uh, he was cool, calm, and collected against Monfils. You know, like just, just very, very, right. uh, you know, very mentally there. And in the beginning of that match against Nadal, he looked like he was a ball of nerves. Yeah, um, well, uh, and just tired. Yeah, and, and tired, I think yeah. that that for the audience out there, when I talk about the fitness, like, and you know, you know, for betting so much tennis, that's what's difficult. Is you there's unpredictability. Like he did, he looked tired. He looked like all those matches had caught up to him. He had two days of rest. The, the, the guy he was playing dropped nine pounds in his last match. You can say the same thing about Yannick Sinner and Stefano Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas have been asked to work incredibly hard in these matches to win, especially against Taylor Fritz. Comes out looking amazing, looking the best we've seen him in a year. So that, that type of thing happens sometimes. And, and it's a, a lot of times hard to fade somebody just because they're coming off matches. And then, of course, you, you feel like an idiot when they do come out flat. And you're like, well, I should have seen that coming. A lot of times, it's very difficult to predict. Who would have thought Matteo Berrettini would look tired and defeated, and you know, uh, really just mentally not confident after giving Nadal? I thought his match against Nadal at the U.S. Open in 2019, he gave Nadal a better fight in that match than he did 100%. last night, which is yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, no, I no, I have no disagreement here, and and realistically, Medvedev is kind of Djokovic light, and if you want any confidence to support Medvedev winning, just go watch any of. Uh, Djokovic versus Nadal at the Australian Open. Any of them, you know, go yeah. at, at any any match. It, it, they it is one sided in every way, shape, and form. So I'm I'm hopeful you're right. Let's go Medvedev. Get this you know second slam in a row, which would be wild. He would take world number one, I believe, too, if he wins this. Um, all that said, uh, enjoy the doubles final. Kokonakis, Kyrgios going for their first double slam. That's going to be and I'll say all Australian Open men's double final, that's going to be one of the more entertaining scenes that we'll get all week, especially if the Aussies, we know they're going to lift the cup in the dub, men's doubles. If Ash Barty lifts the cup uh, in the women's, it's going to be quite a day for Australia today. So uh, enjoy that if you love Australian tennis. And we will say goodbye and good luck uh, for the end of this fortnight. It's great being with you guys once again. I'm really excited for the football games this weekend as well as the tennis to finally end and we can move on to Cordoba. I love it.
Vaughn, let's do some edge of the day. I'm going to give you the, uh, the, the slate. There is a, uh, there's college basketball to pick from. There's NBA. There's uh, I'm sure there's some golf matchups that you have in your back pocket. What exactly are you going to go with for your edge of the day today? I want to ask you a question first. Have you ever seen the movie King Richard on Venus and Serena Williams? The tennis yeah. movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's going like, to get some Oscar consideration. I'm like, yeah, it's a great movie. I'm like Will Smith, Will Smith, the dad, whenever he's t- telling all to keep backhanding and you guys are like, you don't know what you're talking about. That's like what it is. Listen to you and Kenny go super in depth in tennis. And I'm just like, wow, like you guys love and know what you're talking about. So I tell everything. I don't know what the bets are, but I tell them. So I just want to throw it out there. Kenny's it. been doing real well lately. But uh, so my edge of the day was going to be Devin Booker's over on points because, I mean, Andrew Wiggins making all-star starter in the Western Conference over Devin Booker who's been cooking. Can we talk about motivation, people? But the books are very scared of what's going to happen tonight. So they haven't put his prop out. We will dabble on the first basket as well. So throw that on there. We're going to try and keep the first basket streak going. He is the best option tonight on the board. So my real edge of the day will be college basketball, the most attractive game on the most attractive slate. We are taking New Mexico minus 10, hosting San Jose State. Now, I love the Lobos in this spot. You look at these two teams, neither of them have a win in Mountain West Conference play yet. They're actually 0-13 combined in conference play. And you get a 10-point spread. Seems like it doesn't make any sense, and you'd want to take the road dog right away. But when you look at it, New Mexico has played nothing but the toughest teams in the conference, and they've lost by single digits in five out of six games. And this so Jose State team has lost by 10 or more points in every game on the road except one, or all 11 are lost except one. So 10 out of 11 losses, they've lost by eight or more points. Okay, this team is not good. And looking at New Mexico State's, thanks to our edge finder, they are 15-5-1 against the spread in their last 21 games. That's 71%. San Jose State is 3-7 and seven ATS in conference games as a road dog. The worst when it comes to rebounding three, efficiencies, Mexico is not that bad. So we are laying the 10 with the Lobos <laughs> in a game of two teams with no wins in conference play. And I am pretty confident New Mexico is a much, much better team than San Jose State is. Okay, game taking place at one of my favorite college venues, The Pit. The uh, Pit. Pit, yes, very, is, very cool. it's just a great game for New Mexico to take their frustrations out on a very bad team, and it's also a great time for me to take my frustration out on all the close losses. So, I love it, I, I like can't, I, I love it. That was fantastic. And I, and you brought up even before your edge of the day, one of the uh, one of the fun angles no one respects yeah. our sons, no one respects our sons, Nobody. zero starters on the all star team. Are you kidding me? What, what a joke! But Such you know what, joke. you know what, we're fine with that. Sleep on us. I dare you. Yes. Yeah. You, you, no one believes in us, but uh, but that's okay. We believe in us. <laughs> Deep book and Chris Paul are coming tonight. Better believe it. All right. Well, uh, that's not going to be my edge of the day, even though that is a very fun angle and a very fun game. Um, but there are a ton of rest advantages on the NBA slate tonight. Like, crazy amount. Uh, and it's going to be a fun night of betting NBA, no matter what you want to uh, which game you want to watch, which game you want to pick. I'm going to go with the, uh, an interesting little uh, little angle here. I'm taking the dog with the Boston Celtics going up against 
the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, the Hawks have had a nice little resurgence of late. They had a rough go of it out of the gate. Uh, they were rest disadvantaged a ton early on in this season. And you know what we see? When they are at a rest disadvantage, this Hawks team struggles. They don't play good defense on a rested night. They play terrible defense when they are exhausted. And realistically, they have asked you know a lot of Trey Young in the last handful of, you know really the month of January. They had they asked Trey Young to do everything um and i think going up against the dynamic wing defense that the boston celtics bring this is a perfect opportunity for boston to get the win as a dog uh, i make boston a small favorite here so i think that it is good to bet them on the money line at plus 105 i would bet them up to a fair of minus 110 on the money line as we get closer to tip uh, i don't see any injury news really impacting this one way or the other you have arrested boston team a boston team that by the way is hot right now they absolutely buried the kings on tuesday i don't know if you saw any of that game yeah. but that yeah. was extremely impressive performance by them so uh boston i think is is a dangerous team to be facing right now if you're the hawks particularly uh if you are coming into this contest with uh, uh you know a, a little bit of uh fatigue hmm. very interesting look on this one see again i don't bet the money lines are spreads too often but my initial look was this was on the hawks because i was like they're rolling right now uh but at the same time I felt more comfortable looking at a Trey Young prop because he got the all-star nod, either at home, all that stuff. But this is a great opportunity. Everyone, and what I just said, everyone's thinking that the casual better. <laughs> They're thinking like this is a great spot for the Hawks in general, but it's probably not. And I am not the one to bet on the Celtics, but I know you are much better with them. So I will tell that. I've been loving Jalen Brown's props. So maybe I'll do a Jalen Brown 20 plus and a Celtics money line for some uh, 200 or better. I like okay. that. There's been some pretty strong action on this one this morning. A lot of a uh, lot of Celtics support here, as we see the numbers come down from an opener of two and a half to one and a half at some of the market making shops. So, uh, some of our listeners on YouTube who uh, chime in with their winners, of course, if you didn't already know, you can participate as well. It is free to do. We go live every morning at eight p.m. ACB, eight a.m. Pacific, uh, eleven a.m. Eastern, and people jump in and, and drop their winners. Matthew Preston likes the Pelicans, the Heat, and the Grizzlies. The Heat have a rest advantage as well. Grizzlies have a rest advantage. Pelicans, I know why you're playing them, and I understand it, but I can't get involved in that game. Uh, <laughs> those are good. Those are all very solid looks. Uh, I think we have, um, you know, I think, you know, you see market agreement with your Pelicans look. That's come down from five and a half to three and a half at a couple of the market-making shops. Jay Money likes Pelicans plus four. Okay, so we're getting a little bit of the chat consensus here on the yeah. Pels. How about Ooh. that? Yeah, I mean, what about the Grizzlies at minus four against the Jazz with Desmond Bain back? Like, the Jazz are kind of in shambles right now, low-key. I mean. I think it's high-key. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is high-key. Like, I, I like that bet. I like the Grizzlies minus the four. The Pellies, I would definitely be scared. But if Jay Money's on them, I mean, that definitely gives me a little bit of confidence as well. Yeah, Rudy Gobert confirmed out. Donovan Mitchell is questionable. If Donovan Mitchell goes, that's probably an over type of a game. But okay. uh, at minus four, I think that's thin margin. Uh, although, again, as I mentioned, there is rest advantages all over the card tonight. Milwaukee has a rest advantage. Memphis has a rest advantage. Houston has a rest advantage. Miami has a rest advantage. Boston has a rest advantage. And uh, almost enough of a rest advantage to get involved with the uh, Phoenix Suns and the Charlotte Hornets as well. So a lot of... Um, Unequal rest as we head into this Friday night card. Always a good way to look at the NBA. I will say uh, the best matchup of the night's not going to happen, it looks like, between in the Heat and the Clippers game. The Morris brothers, they're not going to face off. Oh, well, yeah, that's That would have been the best. That would have been my edge of the day right there. But uh, 
yeah so keep an eye on that one too heat, heat game should be a good one but uh yeah great show drew i think uh i think we need to do that fancy draft more often for the props that was uh, i that like was it too fun. okay well let's wrap up that was that was a ton of fun vaughn thank you so much for being here today and don't forget to check out nbc sports edge Dot com. You'll have all the information you need, you need to know after you're done listening to us to continue helping you with your wagers. Thanks for those of you watching us on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. And again, don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast. Best of luck with all your plays. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.